Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Hi, this is Leon Dreisaitl from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. Thanks a lot, Leon. Still tied for the leading goal scorer during the playoffs. Ah, only there could have been a couple more against the Vegas Golden Knights. Anyhow, look, it's 134. Uh, we are going to head off to the River Creek Resort Casino hotline momentarily and hook up with Al May, but not before I tell you. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pass, and so much more. Get their new boneless wings, 8 for thirteen ninety five or 16 for twenty five ninety five. You can visit royalpizza.ca with a stocker for recommendations of Mediterranean chicken. As we go to the River Creek Resort Casino hotline, former NHLer and color analyst uh, for the Washington Capitals, Al May is going to join us. He's our Oilers now headliner for Will Hawk Beef Jerky. I know Trent Will Hawk, and he loves Al May when Al does the show. Will Hawk Beef Jerky, it's the best you've ever tasted. Search for Will Hawk, W-I-L-H-A-U-K today. Al lives in uh, two different places. He lives in Texas, and he lives in Washington. And right now, man, oh man, it is a wild time in Washington. How you doing, Al? I'm doing good. Just got my head buried in the sand right now. Oh, do you? <laughs> Some have accused you of that in the past, haven't they? Oh, oh man, oh, man. It's something it's, else. It's Every day be, is a different funny. Yeah. It's, it's got to be so yeah. completely different, given uh, how political and just everything that comes with all of that Washington is. And then you contrast that where you're in town. Ta- I have friends that are Albertans, and they're maybe slightly to the right, but they got enough money, they moved to Texas. You know what I'm saying? They're like, to the hell with this. We're not putting up with this crap in Canada anymore. We're moving our business to Texas. We're going to Texas. I mean, is it, is it really two different worlds living in Texas as opposed to living in Washington? You know what? In in Texas, it feels like everyone just minds their own business, lives their own life. Rural is always different than the big cities, but the cities, everyone's from, you know, in, in Texas from somewhere else. And, you know, they're just living life the way they want to live it. And in D.C., it's nothing. It's a lot of chaos and conflict and <laughs> people arguing and not using facts and just arguing for the sake of arguing because they're so deeply entrenched. They, there's there's no winning, so it's it's just not even bother. So it's just uh, better off to live your life and mind your own business. And you know what? I guess when it comes time to vote, vote with your uh, conscience. Yeah, there you go. And you're not telling people who to vote for. You know, somebody else did that too. Here said, I'm not telling you who to vote for. Just get out there and go vote and do a little bit of research. Remember when doing a little bit of research was a good thing, as opposed to people saying. Oh, how are you to sit there and say anyways that's a whole other story all right let's get to, to it your thoughts on the stanley cup final um i thought vegas had that game for 57 minutes i give florida credit for finding a way to to win it they got screwed on the call late in the game that put them in the box to start overtime my opinion is hey the the panthers showed a chin but to me it's still vegas a series what do you think Al? Well, it's still Vegas' series, you know, what they were able to do in the first two games. But, you know, the the severity of a Game 3 loss for the Florida Panthers, that all but ends it. And, you know, there's not going to be a team coming back from 3-0. But, you know, you play with your the most desperation and the most energy 
is when you're down two from being on the road, you go home, you've got to win that no matter what because it just takes everything out of you. And I thought scoring first was going to win them the game. No matter what happened, how the, the turns in a game uh, happen, I thought if they score first, they're going to keep their fans engaged in the game. They're going to have some belief. And by doing that, and they, they still had to come back and win up late. But I just think you give yourself so much more confidence by scoring first. And there are things that Vegas is doing uh, that, you know, in the first two games they weren't able to do last night. I thought, by and large, the five-on-five game, you know, they forced Vegas to the perimeter. And when Bobrovsky had the point-blank shots, he was able to see the puck. It was a lot different than the first two games where there was deflection, screenshots, and they were coming from all angles. His own players were screening him. The Golden Knights were screening him. Last night that wasn't the case, and it was just up to Bob and the player. Bob appeared to win it every time. And once again, Florida Florida had to win the game five-on-five. Five. I don't care about their, their power play being inept so far. You've got to win games five-on-five. And the bottom line is they went out last night and they scored their goals at 5-on-5 five five and got themselves a, a Game 3 victory. Yeah, and overcame a huge kill uh, early in overtime. Hey, something that I – and I didn't ask DeBrus, Louis DeBrusque about this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you. I hated how they managed Game 2. Like, Matthew Kachuk, that was a clean hit on Jack Eichel. How does he end up with 12 minutes worth of penalties there? And this is me sticking up well, for I Matthew think. Kachuk. I mean, he's not exactly Mr. Popularity in the Edmonton market from his time in Calgary, but that was a slobber knocker, clean hit, and it's actually Eichel at toe pick that made it worse. You give me your thoughts. Well, I, I think the worst story of these playoffs and the has been the the referees and they've been a con- there's been controversial refereeing in, in every series and almost certainly every game. And I thought what they were doing, the way they were handing out the tens the other day was ridiculous. And Matthew Kachuk, they went after him. He threw the hit. In my opinion, they should have came out ahead on that. They Me should have too. had a power play. Me too. He shouldn't have been in for a 10. It took momentum away from the game. It was ridiculous. And, and I'm looking at some of these referees, and they're getting away with murder. Like the, the same thing. Players get suspended. They, they dwindle it down to these referees who think they're bigger than the game right now. I, I haven't liked it. I'm in, I talk to people at the league that haven't been happy with it, and the referees are like they're on their own page right now, and I, I can't believe it. I look at some of the calls last night. That, that tripping penalty late in the third that was also an overtime was absolutely awful. It was disgusting. And, you know, Florida got some penalties they definitely deserve, but on that one, there's not a chance that should have been called. And that's not managing the game. That's just garbage. And I, th- I thought too many times the way they're managing these games, and I don't know who wants to take the fighting and the pushing and the shoving out of the game, but, okay, so you take fighting out. I still want an emotionally charged game, guys pushing and shoving. Sometimes it gets too much. Just give it to the one guy. But, you know, by the end of the game, there's no one sitting on the bench for the Florida Panthers. It was ridiculous. Yeah, and it wasn't that tough of a game. And, you know, it's funny, Al. I mean, it seems like Vegas gets some calls. And we know what happened a couple right back in 2018, uh, the Golden Knights expansion team to make it to the Stanley Cup final. Then in 2019, they got screwed. It was a horrendous call. The officials blew the call on the Pavelski play. We have a new rule that allows you to evaluate uh, plays that are called majors on the ice. But I, I think of you know a, a 2-2 series between Edmonton and Vegas. And Vegas finished two points ahead, against, ahead of the Oilers in the regular season. And ultimately, they won the two games that mattered in Game 5 and Game 6 when the series was tied 2-2. Oilers had a couple blowout victories in those two games. 
Oilers outshot Vegas 75-53, but it's 2-1 in Vegas in the second period. And Steve Kazari, the backside official, he calls a call against a rookie player, Philip Broberg. Eichel's holding Broberg's stick. Broberg's holding Eichel. And the, the front side official's right there. He doesn't call it. And that call put Edmonton down, and then Yanmark gets a penalty. It's a five-on-three. And it completely flipped that. For me, it flipped that game. And so now saying that, Vegas was a little better. They won the series in six. It was close, man. But ah, I, I got to tell you, after a while, you start to see it a bit. And the guys out there that are from the Oliver Stone conspiracy theory school start to think, you know, what, you know, is there something else going on? I mean, it, it, it that's why it happens. You know what I'm saying? Well, you just think, wasn't Steve Kazari the ref the other night that was making all these calls? So that's, that's kind of my point. There, there's certain guys that always seem like they're in the thick of it on, on the, you know, the, in the controversy. Kazari's there, Rooney's there. Dan O'Rourke seems like he's been there. Um, but, but I just I look at so many of these times. I cannot stand. I know this is something that they do in the league. They have a penalty reconciliation sheet. So there's a bias that comes in beforehand. And, well, this guy, he's a flopper. This guy, he takes stick penalties. Why don't you just call the damn call, not on prior offenses, but on that game? Well, he normally doesn't get a hooking penalty, so he gave him the leeway on it. I think it's garbage, and, and I don't think it's right that they go in there with that ammunition. The, you know, the biggest thing, call the game as it is. Well, call the penalty the way you'd call it in every single game, not by who complained. And I've talked to coaches that have complained about referees after a game, and the next game they got phantom penalties right off the bat. They've had referees come up to them and threaten them, and that referee wasn't even in the last game. I saw Vetchkin one time do a little bit of a head snap in a playoff series and t- draws a four-minute. And he, he draws a four-minute. It was against the New York Rangers. The very next game he's skating down the ice and he gets an interference call, and there was no one within reach of him by about 20 feet, the opening shift. So it was an even up call right off the bat for something he did the game before. And it's almost like bad cops. The majority of cops are good. Majority of refs are good. But there's always that bad element of people out there that think they're larger than the game. So no the, one goes to an NHL game. No one goes to an NHL game to watch a referee. Yeah, The reconciliation piece that you mentioned, I know for a fact that in the Oiler LA series, there was discussion about Vincent D'Arnais. Well, he's, you know, he's slashing. He's, we got our eye on Vincent D'Arnais, but don't worry, we're watching Blake Lazat too. Well, the only problem was Blake Lazat was out with, with an injury. So they're watching one guy in Edmonton and nobody on LA. And that was, that was before game three of the series. And LA got some power plays. Um, that helped them in game... Th- L.A. got... I mean, let's face it. L.A. ended up getting power play overtime winning goals in game one and game three of that series. Right? Like if... And, and the call on DeHarnay in game one in overtime was a joke call to make in, overt- in an overtime period. And this is... And so what happens in that situation is maybe Edmonton wins a series in five instead of six. And maybe it's a little... Then you're staying at... You're not staying down in Southern... I... I'm just saying little things can and and if you're an Oilers hater listening to the show Al you're like stop or you're full of crap you're being a whiner quit I, I'm just saying when it's that close when you lose a six game series do you agree with me when you lose a six or seven game series it, it could there there's little things that happen and like the Oilers weren't good enough five on five that was a big thing that happened but the timing of some calls is a smaller thing that happened that can alter the course and direction of a series Oh, it certainly can, and it's exhausting. And, you know, you, you do have to win games five on five. 
And you've got to, you can't take undisciplined calls, but there are so many times now. I'm telling you, these playoffs, I can't remember any time. Well, I'll just say in this era of four referees on the ice at a time and two guys are able to call penalties, and I guess even the linesmen can assist on calls now. But it, it just seems like there's more mistakes than ever, and if something's not right about it. And it, it's been right from game one of the playoffs. It, it's been a common theme every night. And I've been a neutral party in all of these playoffs so far, and I've seen so many things that have been absolutely ridiculous. And it, it just, it just, it, it kind of, it, it's baffling. And it, it just, you wonder, there, what are the repercussions for blown calls? You know, you're costing teams millions of dollars uh, in gate revenue by, you know, not making the right calls, by, you know, knocking a team out. But like everyone, who, there, I don't think there's many people in hockey last night that if that, power play at the end of the third start of overtime would have resulted in a win for the Golden Knights. I, I think the hockey world, everyone would have been up in arms. And, and there's people that hate Florida. There's people that hate Vegas. But I'll tell you what, that, I don't think there many people, there, you know, only the outlier people, the, the five percenters that disagree with everything would have thought that was a call last night. All right, this text comes in saying, I don't believe in flat earth or aliens, lizard people, but I do believe that powerful influences uh, the outcomes that they want is that really considered a conspiracy really have you seen world politics so hockey is a uh, big business uh, and hockey is no better than other businesses they're not free from corruption like you think I guarantee Batman or somebody else is dictating the offici officiating guaranteed not everybody agrees uh, Bob the Oilers get more phantom calls, uh, get lots of phantom calls from the ref. How long have the Oilers been out? Stop whining. Wow. And uh, so there's your complete contrast. We have one guy saying, I believe it. You know, I'm just saying Vegas seems like they've got a lot of calls in the playoffs. All right, Al, we had people asking about Tom Wilson. We know the Capitals obviously would like to move along from Anthony Mantha, or that might be a guy that gets traded in the season. Do you believe that uh, Tom Wilson ultimately will be signed to a long-term extension with the Capitals? Yeah, I, I would expect it to be done, too, by the time free agency starts. So, you know, he, he wants to be here. They love him here. There's so many qualities about the player off the ice that you want him around. That being said, I guess anybody's tradable. There's only two guys that aren't traded from here right now or, or three. That would be Carlson, Backstrom, and Ovechkin. And, you know, Obi, they're, they're, they're going to ride him until he, he's finished. Backy will leave on his own terms. If, if he's not healthy enough to play, he'll call it quits. And, you know, right now he wants to come back and he wants to have a summer uh, of getting ready for a hockey season, not a summer of re rehabbing from uh, an injury that, you know, and a surgery that someone's never had. But Wilson's the kind of guy you want to around around every single one of your players. Everyone in the organization loves the guy. Uh, and I know there's a lot of teams out there that would probably overpay for him in the far, as far as the trade is concerned. And he certainly would help a lot of teams. But uh, I, I see him getting signed to a long-term deal here. I don't think that shocked the world with the, a trade of Tom Wilson. All right. Great stuff, Al. Thanks for joining us here in Oilers Now. Yeah, talk to you soon. That's Al May, and uh, he is our Oilers Now headliner for Wilhock Beef Jerky. When we come back, Brendan Escott will uh, help preview the Elks game against the Riders on Sunday. We'll have this day in Oilers history, but not before I read a text from Jason in Sangudo. And he says, Bob, when you decide to take your vacation, will you be surfing into Fino uh, with Justin on the taxpayer's dime? <laughs> 
Oh, you're a beauty, man. All right, we'll be right back. This is Oilers Now. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. 151 in Edmonton, and let's go to this day in Oilers history for New West Travel. Tra- uh, serving travelers since 1979. Book your vacation today at newwesttravel.com. We've got Brendan Escott in studio. Hey, take that script right there. There you go, Brendan. Uh, Oh, I need that one up. There we go. Can you hear me? Yeah, Yeah, that sounds a lot better. Uh, Okay, 1983 legendary Oilers defenseman Paul Coffey inducted into the Hall of Fame alongside Ray Bork, Larry Murphy, and Cliff Fletcher. Coffey, 669 points as an Oilers defenseman between 1980 and 87. Nearly double Kevin Lowe's 384. He won uh, three Stanley Cups in Edmonton before being sent to Pittsburgh in the summer of 1987. There you go. Uh, Okay, in season uh, to Pittsburgh. That was the trade that happened during the course of the year because Craig Simpson got 50 goals that year and the Oilers uh, uh, ended up uh, winning the Stanley Cup in, uh, during the course of the 87-88 season. All right, let's do this. Uh, you got the Elks broadcast coming up Saturday. You host the pre- Sunday. And Sunday, yes, thank you. Sunday, 5 p.m. I should know, I'm going to a game. Uh, pre- and post-game uh, show on 6.30, Chad. Uh what are the storylines for the Elks besides, hey, that's won a game at home here? <laughs> yeah, that's the big one. I, I honestly haven't even been looking at that because it's that's money in the bank to me. They've got uh, wide receivers that are, are two. They signed two 1,000-yard receivers, and they have one of their own in Dylan Mitchell, who was on track for that. Uh, the former Oregon Duck was on pace for it uh, last season. So you're looking at guys in uh, Stephen Dunbar Jr., who comes over from Hamilton. But most noteworthy, it's Eugene Lewis coming over from Montreal. Uh, he came off a 1,303-yard receiving season last year. So there's some weapons here. They've got a running game for a change, and it's uh, a promising young defense as well. Uh what are the Riders like this year? Are they expected to have a good team? Who's their quarterback, by the way? Boy, well, it's Trevor Harris, who we are familiar with. From you, a, a, is that where he ended up? Yeah, you bet, Jess. Was he, it, what, what, I, uh, Michael Ball was telling me at one point that Bo Levi Mitch, some people thought Bo Levi might end mm-hmm. up with the Riders. Nobody thought it more than Michael Ball, from what I understand. <laughs> but, yeah, he is uh, Mitchell now in Hamilton. Okay. And uh, actually, funny enough, Cody Fajardo, who leaves Saskatchewan, is now in Montreal, where Trevor Harris was last year so it, it's it was a big game of, of musical chairs and for that reason Bob I think the West Division is really wide open behind Winnipeg so there's uh, a good chance that if Edmonton can piece something together in the second year of Chris Jones which has been the pattern with Chris Jones as yeah. coach uh, that there could be in line for you know it's certainly a playoff spot Okay, uh, what time is the pregame show Sunday? Sunday, 3.30 on 6.30. Ched, we will uh, connect with Commissioner Randy Ambrosi on the show. Uh, perhaps Odell Willis swinging by the booth if we can track him down as well. And then kickoff, 5 o'clock. It is Canadian Armed Forces Appreciation Night. They're doing a flyover as well. All right, so Brendan's got the pregame show. Morley Scott along with Dave Campbell. Blake Dermott and David Bowles, all part of the Eskimos Radio Network. Uh, tonight, we have Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, and it's a fluid show. Uh, hold on a second. I got a bunch of late texts. Oh, here it is. Uh, tonight, they got Rob Brown, Curtis Lazar, S. Color Analyst Dave Campbell, Saskatchewan uh, Riders defensive back, former uh, U of A Golden Bears. Uh, I think he played, I thought he was a halfback. 
he might be playing safety for the Riders. Jaden Delkey, you know what? I thought she I, he was number 22 at the U of A. He might have been safety. So there you go. Again, uh, Rob Brown from the Oilers Radio Network, Curtis Lazar, uh, finish up the year the new. Jersey Devils after he got traded from Vancouver to New Jersey. Dave Campbell and Riders uh, defensive back former U of A Golden Bear Jaden Dalkey. That's tonight on Inside Sports. On Monday, uh, we're working on a couple guests, but we will have John Shannon and George LaRock tomorrow. Game four of the Stanley Cup final between the Golden Knights and the Panthers takes place at 6 p.m. Special thanks to Brendan Escott and Derek Scott for helping us out on today's show. Up next, a global news weather traffic update with Randy Kilburn, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, then Chelsea on Chad with Chelsea Bird. Uh, so long, everybody. Have a wonderful weekend.